Hi, I'm Isaac Dover, Chief Washington Correspondent for Politico, and your new host for Off Message Season 2. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to be doing here on Season 2. We're going to be talking with the people, some of them in office, some of them behind the scenes, who are really driving what's happening in the White House, Congress, politics, and government in these crazy times. We'll be doing it here in Washington and all around the country, too. And today we've got Brendan Boyle and Mark Vesey, two Democratic congressmen. You know, what went wrong in the 2016 elections for Democrats is a long, long list. But one thing that everybody agrees on is they lost touch with the working class, blue collar. White working Americans is one way to put it, but it's not just white people. We've got two congressmen, one from Philadelphia in the suburbs of Philadelphia named Brendan Boyle, and another named Mark Vesey, who's from Dallas in Texas, who have come together to form a new group called the Blue Collar Caucus. Not that inventive of a name, but something that Democrats haven't had anywhere in the House to this point. They've got 26 members, and they're bringing in people from all around the country to talk to them, and they're planning to go out around the country and help their party understand just how much they have to learn if they hope to get back in touch with these people for the sake of governing and for the sake of maybe doing better in 2018, 2020, and beyond. We sat down with both of them at Bullfeathers, which is a famous bar right near Capitol Hill, over some beers. And they talked about not just the work of the Blue Collar Caucus, but what it's like to be a Democrat in the House when they are at a historic minority, when they know that they are nowhere near getting the majority in the House, they're in trouble in the Senate, and they're trying to deal with what Donald Trump is doing that they disagree with and feel powerless to stop. And they talked about what that means and how they think that's translating to the blue-collar voters that they're hoping to appeal to. But they also talked about conversations that they're having in private with their Republican colleagues and what those people make of what's going on. So if you're a fan of Season 2, rate us, subscribe, and leave a written review on iTunes. You also follow me on Facebook, get me there. And if you have feedback or a guest suggestion, email me at Isaac at Politico.com. That's one S, two A's, Isaac at Politico.com. So here it is, Brendan Boyle, Mark Vesey, at Bullfeathers, over a couple of beers. Okay, so the Blue Collar Caucus. We don't have enough caucuses in Congress. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we need this? This was something, while not specifically Blue Collar Caucus, Mark and I, just through being friends and getting to know each other in, in the members' lounge, in the cloakroom, uh, having different conversations about blue-collar issues and how our our party could better reach this slice of the electorate. Um, and not just for winning races, but also for governing. So I knew Mark was interested in, in these issues, and, and we would have these conversations. And, and I have been for, for quite some time, and my background is from a, a working-class neighborhood mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia. And my parents are two of those now famous white working class voters mm-hmm. that are getting more attention the last two months than maybe the previous two decades. Um, right after the election, I was talking to a good friend of mine who is a um, Democratic Party leader in Abington Township, Mike mm-hmm. Barbiero is his name, and he's a, an attorney, um, r- represents a very affluent part of the suburbs of Philadelphia, but has the same sort of background that I do. And I was mentioning to him my enormous frustration over many, many years that our party is not doing, in my view, enough to reach out to blue-collar workers and those who are involved in the blue-collar economy. Mm-hmm. 
And he said to me, you know, this is probably a dumb question, but you have this caucus and that caucus and the other caucus. Do you guys have a blue-collar caucus? And it gave me the, the idea, sort of yeah. crystallized um, some of the things that I've been talking about and thinking about for quite some time. And I said, no, it's not a dumb question. In fact, I think it's a great idea. So right then and there, I decided that I was mm -hmm. going uh, to start it. And I thought of Mark about 20 minutes later because of the conversations we had had on these issues. What's a blue collar, like what does that mean in 2017? What, I mean, blue collar can, it means a, a lot of things. There are still some traditional you know, jobs out there, jobs that have been around a long time, but then also blue collar jobs uh, can, can mean a completely, you know, a, a job that was just created a, a year ago or a job mm -hmm. that's about to be created for, for that matter. And I do think that we need to do a better job in our educational system of making sure that young people have these opportunities that are available. And one of the sad things about the but presidential so, I mean, race, what kind of job is it that we're talking about of these new jobs, right? We have the traditional blue-collar jobs. But when you say a job that might have been created in the last couple of years, what do you... Well, let me give you an the same as, it, it, When we say blue-collar, are we saying the same thing as working class? Are we saying the same thing as... Uh, uh, white working class, uh, which was the uh, the big failure for Democrats, uh, according to a lot of the ways that people talked about it after the election. Right. Well, let, let me give you an example. Yeah. For instance, I was at General Electric mm -hmm. in Fort Worth. The General Electric plant in Fort Worth uh, that is in in a, in a newer part of Fort Worth that is uh, north of town, close mm -hmm. to Denton County, and the, at the GE facility there. They make locomotive engines for Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas when I was taking the tour last week, they showed me uh, their, how they do welding. Mm -hmm. And so the welders there, they actually have to be able to program this deal. It looks, it looks like a, a something that like an op, like an, a Wii U. If you ever played the Wii U before, mm -hmm. there's it, it's it's a console type uh, mach, mach, gadget, and they have to program this, and it has to be down to the exact you know centimeter. Yeah. And the, the robots actually do 80 to 88% of the welding mm -hmm. on these locomotives. These guys still need to know how to weld. They have to know mm -hmm. the, the, the proper techniques of welding. They still have to be able to get up underneath and do some of the welding where that the robot can't reach. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they have to be able to program this robot. There are a lot of young people that are graduating from high schools today that they don't have that technical expertise mm -hmm. and those critical thinking skills needed to mm -hmm. be able to take on that level of blue collar job. And that is something that was not discussed. Donald Trump, you know, he sort of talked in platitudes mm -hmm. and, and, and just said things like, we're gonna reopen the factory. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to continue to lose jobs in the blue collar sector. Uh, we're going to ha have to rely on foreign workers and mm -hmm. what have you to come over uh, to our country, or we're going to have to offshore those jobs if we don't do a better job of making sure that our young people are prepared to do things like make sh to be able to program a robot to do the welding while they do the cleanup work. So the the people that that General Electric factory did they vote for Trump? Did they vote for Clinton? Um, I think it was a mixture there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most of the guys that were doing the welding were mm -hmm. uh, middle aged uh, white guys. Uh, it was a very you know diverse. Um, uh, workforce there, um, but so I, I, I'm sure it was probably a, a, a mixed workforce. But I do think that there's some anxiety out there as mm -hmm. it relates to a lot of these jobs, and I think that uh, that that Trump tapped into it. I think that in 2008, that President Obama tapped into mm -hmm. it. When President Obama in 2008, when he talked about 
going into Wisconsin and going into Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and going into Ohio and saying that we're going to reopen the factories yeah. uh, in your jobs and we're going to fill those factories up with green jobs, it, it gave people hope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was able to tap into something. And, and I think that when it comes to a lot of these jobs, particularly because a lot of companies are saying that there's a shortage mm-hmm. of uh, available workers for these new skilled manufacturing jobs, we need to be able to train our young people to take these jobs and we can refill some factories with some of these new jobs that are going to be coming online. And I mean, what do you say yeah. to people, the blue collar people in your district, the people that we're talking about here who voted for Trump and you did not vote for Trump. I'm right. going to go out on a limb and guess, right? It was a secret ballot. But uh, <laughs> when you say to them, uh, do you say that you got, you didn't get it? You were no. wrong in yeah. your well, mind? Well, first, to... I don't think uh, condescending to voters <laughs> is a good way to win them over. And I say that not that you are, but I do fear that um, too often there's a perception. And I say this as someone who is proudly left of center, clearly, in, in my politics. Even though it can be frustrating to us that we see a group of voters voting against their own economic Mm self-interest, it's really a bad idea if you lead off in this sort of pat-your-head, condescending Mm -hmm. way, coming off as if you're telling people, as opposed to listening to them Mm -hmm. and trying to find out why it is exactly they're voting. So what are those conversations? So So I'll tell you one exact conversation, and this is specific to my district. A year and a half ago, I took to the House floor... Um, the company that owns Nabisco, company's name Mondelez, but everyone knows the Nabisco made name. They make cookies and Oreos. Mm-hmm. Um, my district for over 60 years, the Nabisco factory right on Roosevelt Boulevard, it's one of those things where everyone in the area knows the building, been there for 60 years. Former staffer of mine, her husband worked there for 32 years, and they raised a family, um, four boys, Clear middle-class existence in the same neighborhood in, in which I live. That company announced, and sure enough, closed that plant, even mm-hmm. though the plant was profitable and the company was profitable because they were building a brand-new facility in Monterey, Mexico. Right. We heard about Th- that this from Trump, was, right? Well, you, you've got to the <laughs> second part. I took the House floor with a big, uh, uh, massive-sized billboard that said, Say No to Oreo, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, got a little bit of teasing. Even of all people, Anthony Weiner on Twitter made fun of me, which, you know, I thought if you're being made fun of on Twitter, yeah, Anthony Weiner on Twitter, Wiener, that's really saying something. Did he text you but anything? No, 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 no. I, I'm not going to break that story. I will now, uh, you now just made me feel a little bit nauseous. Um, let me let me steer the ship back from this rather uh, tough turn it's taken. Um, but I was kind of surprised that here you had 320 good-paying jobs for a company, not a company that was running out of money right. and needed to close the facility. One can understand that, and that's always tough on the workers, but the company's losing money, then, then that can be understandable. Here's a case where the company was actually doing well, where mm-hmm. the CEO of the company got a 50% pay right. increase the year prior and had made over $100 million in the previous four years. Which can buy a lot of Oreos. Uh, quite quite clearly. Um, but here's the postscript. I was kind of surprised that no one running for president on my side of the aisle made this an issue. Mm-hmm. Two months later, the same company did exactly the same thing, only it was in Chicago. Right. Instead of uh, about 300 workers, it was 500 workers. 
And there was one candidate who mm -hmm. latched onto it, and it was Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, even though he was running for the nomination of the party that embraced trade and tax policies right. that enabled that sort of activity to happen, nonetheless, he was the one to jump yeah. on it and, and talk about it. And I think for our side, that was a real missed opportunity. So when you ask me the question, what are people back home in Northeast Philly mm -hmm. saying, which, by the way, um, ordinarily would have voted about 60-40 for the Democratic candidate, mm -hmm. and that was the case in Obama-Romney. This election was much closer. Clinton carried it, but narrowly. Yeah. So it was about a 15, 16-point swing. Um, Which might have something to do with why she lost Pennsylvania. You Well, <laughs> in an area of a few hundred thousand right. people, um, when only lost the state by 44,000, right. it, it obviously made an impact. And there are clearly voters in Northeast Philly who remember that, well, Trump was talking about Nabisco mm -hmm. leaving, and the other side wasn't even talking about it. So, okay, you put out a press release. You've got a blue-collar caucus. So now what? What does it What does it mean? We're talking about it, but beyond that. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, the the two of us. There are 26 of us. I think this is first and foremost a signal to the electorate and to our constituents that we get it. That we're paying attention not just to the workers who are in this economy, but this segment of the economy itself. I think one challenge, and look, I say this as someone who has a college degree, has a graduate degree. Mm -hmm. I suspect that's like the vast majority of us who are working on Capitol Hill and the vast majority of us in, in this town. Uh, the fact is we are actually a much smaller percentage of this country than maybe a lot of folks in the bubble realize. Mm -hmm. So even the, the fact that there is something consciously a blue collar caucus to talk about these issues, to bring in leaders from blue collar companies as well as um, labor leaders and others mm -hmm. who were involved in the blue-collar economy to talk about ways in which... To so bring them to talk to the members yeah, and get them in. Yeah, and bring us out there mm -hmm. on a listening tour. One other thing I, I did want to add because I think it's important, and, and I think that most of our colleagues, Democratic and Republican, don't necessarily know this because I didn't know it until I took a tour of a facility in my district back in 2009, my first year in the state legislature. Blue-collar jobs today, and Mark kind of alluded to it when he was talking about the new jobs created at GE. Blue-collar jobs today are much more difficult than blue-collar right. jobs a generation, Absolutely. two generations right. ago. We're not when I say more difficult, I don't mean more physically taxing. I mean the amount of skills that you right. have to have. More mentally taxing. When yeah. I was walking through the Steamfitters facility, I realized that uh, I would have had to go through their five-year training program. Mm -hmm. uh, so just even little things like this, educating those of us who are lawmakers on this important part of, of the U.S. economy, especially because the manufacturing of the 21st century is headed more in that direction. And not thinking of it just as the white working class, right? That right. seems to be a piece of this. Because it, it, you, that was obviously, you can look at white working class statistics from the election, uh, but you can at the same time look at uh, the black turnout for Trump, uh, not just people whom he credits with not turning out at all, but there was African-American turnout for Trump. There was Latino turnout for Trump. Uh, not all of those people were blue-collar people, obviously, but some of them were. Uh, it, it, I mean, is, is that term white working class problematic when we are talking about it in, in the context of where Democrats are, where what Trump tapped into? Uh, I think that it's, it's bigger than just the white working class. I mean, yeah. we, in Texas, for instance, a lot of the people that work in heavy industry, that work mm -hmm. in the building trades, are Latino, for instance. Um, when If I go back to my childhood, one of the things that we used to do 
on occasionally on Friday nights is that guys would come over to the house uh, with my dad and play dominoes. And uh, one of the things I used to like to do occasionally was watch a Pennsylvania fighter named Larry Holmes. Mm-hmm. And we'd watch the Friday night Larry Holmes or Sugar Ray fight. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the guys sitting around playing dominoes, watching the fight. And they would always talk about, um, you know, hey, I got a friend that can that can get me on out at General Dynamics. Yeah. I got a friend that can get me on out at, out, out at Miller did. Brewery. Uh, he he worked in a, a variety of different uh-huh. different jobs, but he always wanted one of these good paying mm-hmm. blue collar union jobs that he could never get. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I noticed with the disintegration of the black family mm-hmm. is that during that late 1970s time, when a lot of those manufacturing jobs first mm-hmm. initially began to disappear in Texas, is all those guys that used to to come over and play dominoes with us. They all had families. By the time my dad died. Mm-hmm. My parents were divorced. All those guys that used to come over and play dominoes mm-hmm. with us, they were all divorced. Mm-hmm. They lost contact with with their kids. And you mm-hmm. start to see the disintegration of that family. And for mm-hmm. a lot of black men, not being able to have that opportunity and yeah. that job was very, very frustrating. Right. And people still stop me today and say, Congressman VC, how are we going to bring some of those jobs right. back? So I think the frustration... It's all tied together. It's absolutely. A, yeah. The frustration goes beyond you know, white workers in the Rust Belt being frustrated and disappointed. I think that it's really felt everywhere across racial lines. Yeah. I've asked you guys uh, about the Blue Collar Caucus, and what it, but, but I'm curious, in a broader way, in these, uh, in these weeks, which have been really strange for Washington, unlike, I think, what and, most people and, have been... And the world. And, and the country <laughs> and the world, yes. I was going to say. Uh, people are processing what's going on. What's it like to be in Congress these days? You know, I think it's a different... It's, it's We're on a, a podcast, but I feel like capturing Congressman Boyle's face when I ask that question. <laughs> I think it's a different time to be in Congress. You're suggesting I have a great face for radio, yeah. I think. Just the expression. Just the expression. I wish I had seen that, ex- that expression. It would help me pose this hey, answer. The last couple of weeks, I've had that expression on my face a lot, and I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure there'll be other opportunities to see it, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Every, probably every day. But, you know, on, yeah. on the bright side, as um, we're sitting here at a local establishment having beer, I hope that some of the votes we have to cast later today <laughs> will go down a little bit better on <laughs> some of this legislation now with a, uh, a pint. It was not the concept of the beers, but uh, <laughs> if that's what it needs, if you need to get through the days now. Is that, I mean, like, how bad, as a... Democrat in the minority who yeah. doesn't want these things to be happening, who doesn't want Donald Trump to be president or to be in the minority or the uh, Democrats to be in the minority in the Senate. How is your life just terrible these days? Well, <laughs> well, well first of all, no one uh, should, should feel any sympathy for us. We know we're, we're fortunate to be in a position like this. I would say that there are two separate things I think you're talking about. One is, okay, what is it like you're in the minority in the U.S. House, by the way, the fewest number of Democratic seats since the 1920s, minority in the U.S. Senate, vast minority in the state legislatures and governorships, and obviously don't control the White House. That at least is more within the the normal realm Mm -hmm. of politics, although it's the weakest point the Democratic Party numerically has been in 90 years. At least that's within the normal range. What makes the last two weeks different is just what a strange and bizarre presidency that has now begun Mm -hmm. Uh, and a different time in our nation's history. I mean, on Friday, with very little notice, Trump signs an executive order that clearly was not communicated to many people in his own administration. And 24 to 48 hours later, 
I'm standing at Philadelphia Airport with five to 10,000 protesters, and that's happening all over the country. Yeah. That is not a normal time. My big concerns about this presidency go beyond ideology. We would not be having this conversation uh, if we were talking about President McCain or President Romney, yeah. you know, both of the Bushes, Reagan, et cetera. Um, the real fear that people have right now is because we've never had someone uh, as irresponsible and dangerous in the White House. What are you hearing from your Republican colleagues? What's their experience what, that they're relating to you? I talked with a Republican um, as soon as I got back on Monday, and um, you know we both share uh, we both share an interest in military issues, mm-hmm. you know, serving on Hask and, and what have you, and they were like. Can you believe that he did that? That was the most foolish thing in the world to do. If I had a dollar for every time that phrase, that I've used that phrase or I've heard that phrase in the last year, mm-hmm. yeah. we wouldn't be in the Blue Collar Caucus. We'd, have, we'd be making too much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I mean, it, it's, it, it, it is, it's scary. It's scary when you have a, a president of the United States that goes on a, a, a television broadcast, a Christian television broadcast, and says that we're going to have a religious preference for who gets uh, admitted into the country from these, uh, from, from these countries. And a lot of the Republicans know that there are issues. Uh, there's high-profile Republicans that you talk to on the House floor in committee, uh, and if you even yeah. bring up the president's name, they just roll their eyes. And so it, it's, a, it, and it's, and it's for me, as a as an American first, yeah. right before being a Democrat, as, as an American first, as somebody that wants my ten year old son to have a country that is safe to mm-hmm. grow up in, and for him to be able to raise a family the way how I'm raising him now, and to see my Republican colleagues uh, in a, in a slump, depressed, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not encouraging. But you know, we'll, four years from now, we'll have a chance to write things. Uh, I- and what do you say to, and when you there there are a couple of polls that show that there's uh, a level of approval for the executive order the immigration executive order uh, that is higher than uh, I think that many people would expect given the way that it's been covered in the news that that the reaction has been from Democrats from the protests that are going on does that does that jive at all in your mind how do you, how do you explain those numbers I, I have not seen any any polling yeah. yet. There was one Reuters poll that showed the approval in the in the forties yeah. for the executive order. Was that somewhere around the forty eight to forty two yeah. is yeah. the poll yeah. you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. I, have, I, I haven't I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I'll say. I mean, that doesn't surprise me actually. Look, I I said this on the House floor yesterday. After Paris, Brussels, San Bernardino, Nice, Germany, etc., right. people are understandably very concerned and I share their concern. What I've tried to argue on our side, it's not just that we have, that we're on the right side of the issue out of principle, that this is contrary to to who we are as Americans, but oh, by the way, this will do absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. to keep us safe. Uh, This doesn't do one thing to make us any bit safer today. They don't understand where it is. I think it's important that our side explains that too, that Mm -hmm. our side presents the overwhelming opinion of the intelligence and defense Mm -hmm. community. The fact that if this executive order existed before September 11th, 2001, it wouldn't have prevented one of those terrorists 
from coming here. Every hijacker would have been on the plane. Every single hijacker right. would have been on the plane. Does I, I'm someone who believes that we need to take appropriate measures. Look, we're under no legal or moral obligation to admit someone to the United States who wants to do us harm. Yeah. That is not the democratic right. position. Our position is focusing on the refugees, focusing on those who are literally the victims of ISIS, mm-hmm. does nothing to help us defeat ISIS. Mm-hmm. In fact, it is a great gift to uh, to ISIS and, and the other terrorists like them. And what do you, uh, you talked about the response that you're getting from your Republican colleagues? Rolling their eyes when his name oh. is brought up, right? Can you believe Just that he did this? his name is brought up. Right. Yeah. So what do you say to those of them who have not uh, spoken out against things that he's done uh, publicly when they're saying it to you privately? You know, my, my personal opinion is that this is that what's going on right now is so unique as far as the, the, the time frame in history that we're in and that people need to stand up and do the right thing. You know, I mean, during the civil rights movement, for mm-hmm. instance, I mean, Lyndon Baines Johnson said that by passing the civil rights legislation, by uh, make by integrating these lunch counters in these schools, yeah. you know, we, we could lose the Democratic Party to the South for a, for a generation mm-hmm. or more. And, uh, and, and he was right on that. But people stood up. They took courageous votes. They took courageous stands. And I really think that... Um, it's going to be really important for uh, the, particularly the, with the way that our country is changing. Right, mm-hmm. we have such a, a changing demographic that's happening right. so rapidly in our country, and if we're going to have stability in the future, I think it's really important that our Republican colleagues stand with us more uh, on these issues of the day and 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 do the right thing for for humanity and for the future of the U.S. And if they yeah, don't, I, I mean, I, what, I, what do you say to them? Well, I'm going to add that my experience has been the same as Mark's. You have a lot of Frank blunt conversations in the members gym, mm-hmm. and uh, the everybody num- always talks about what happens in the members gym. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, are standing around in your towels doing all sorts of things. Uh, you know, <laughs> between your wiener comment and the wiener comments, and now this this podcast is going in a wholly different direction than I uh, intended. But um, no, the, the members gym guys have, have pretty blunt conversations, and I know for a fact that there are many of them on the other side. In fact, the majority I speak to who believe this is absolutely crazy. So when they're they're not saying it publicly. Right. So it's, and I understand and empathize with the position they are in. I know that it's more difficult to be in their party and have Mm -hmm. the leader of their own party acting this way. That said, as the last two weeks have shown, and I said this on, on Twitter over the weekend, it is now time if it hasn't been already, for those Republican members who know this is wrong to stand up and speak out before it's too late. Yeah. Because regardless of the political cycle we're in in the 2018 elections, I do believe we're in a time that people are going to look back 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, and you want to be on the right side of history. If Trump is like this now, mm-hmm. it is only going to get worse and is going to lead us into an unimaginable place the more Republicans who can speak out mm-hmm. publicly would be doing uh, an enormous duty to their country. I mean, it sounds like you're saying that they should be ashamed long-term in the scope of history if they don't speak out now. The way this is headed, if they remain silent, uh, while they don't privately agree with Trump and they may not be saying anything supportive of him, there will be a point where they become complicit 
in allowing mm-hmm. his actions. And so what we see going on now is you know, comments like that from, from you and from other Democrats, right, talking about this. Uh, have a couple of members who are using the word impeachment in very vague ways right now. Uh, we're two weeks into the Trump presidency. There are three years and 11 and a half months left of this term, right? Uh, we are already uh, to this level. Can you guys sustain this? And and is there is that a worry that like at some point, uh, banging the alarm becomes just background noise? Right. It uh, actually just as you're you're talking, this whole conversation makes me very sad. I mean, there's no it's sort not the of intent. No, but <laughs> I, it's a product of Trump and the times in which we live. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why people have taken to the streets and numbers none of us in our lifetimes have, have seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if someone would have told me on New Year's Eve just a month ago mm-hmm. that, you know, we're going to see more people by far showing up in Washington, D.C. the day after the inauguration to protest than we will actually see at the inauguration, I wouldn't have right. believed it. I, I mean, still, I am blown away by the number of people who came out on January twenty first? Yeah, you know the, uh, this is this is this is different. It is different, and you know the sad part about all of it is that, you know, like even when you go back and you look at trying times throughout the throughout our U.S. history, whether it was on racial issues, mm-hmm. you know, wars and and what have you, it seemed like all presidents, regardless of what party that they in that they were in, that when the campaign was over, they definitely tried to all pull the country in the same direction, mm-hmm. and. It's when you when you talk about you know three years, right. eleven months, you know left before the next uh, president will be sworn in. You know that that that's a long time for someone that seems to find value in us being divided. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the way. I mean, you do think right? Like if Hillary Clinton had won mm-hmm. with this tight of a margin, we would have heard a lot about how she would need to reach out to. Uh, right. The people who didn't vote for her, right? And that is not something that we are seeing in the we have Trump not presidency. Not seeing that at all, and right. it's, it, 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 it's sad. It's almost like that they're that they're happy that as part of uh, President Trump and Bannon's plan mm-hmm. is for us to be divided this way, uh, and for them to you know derive some sort of value out yeah. of it. Very By the unsettling. way, I, I do want to add because I mean we've been I've been harsh and appropriately so on those Republican members who are being silent when they know better. In that case, then, I, I think I also need to speak up and really give credit to people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham, mm-hmm. who I may vote differently on, on a number of issues, um, and I don't agree with everything they've done or said, certainly, in, in the last couple months. But to their credit, I, they give me hope and confidence that there are folks on their side who will stand up on principle and, and put country first. I give them credit. In the House, I know Charlie Dent. Mm-hmm. Who is only about? Who's an almost neighbor of mine? Represents a district about an hour away. Uh, he's been publicly outspoken, mm-hmm. um, especially as we get to some bizarre areas where Trump may go in foreign policy. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that you'll see more on the other side follow the McCain path. Will you guys go to the State of the Union? Will I will. Attend? I, so I didn't go attend the inauguration. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, my staff is just learning that I will be attending the State <laughs> of the Union. R- remind me, I, I'll talk to you guys later. Um, no, you know, it's interesting. I, this was the dis, um, distinction that I drew. 
I actually attended and was one of the few members of either party to attend the Electoral College vote mm -hmm. opening on January 6th because I saw that as our constitutional mm -hmm. duty. It's in the Constitution. There's a reason why we met on Friday, January 6th. It is January 6th every four years. Yep. I saw that as doing my official duty. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't attend the inauguration, and I've, I would have attended under any other Republican president. Mm -hmm. um, I, this is different. I... I did not want to look back 40, 50 years from now saying that there I am celebrating Donald Trump's mm -hmm. inauguration. Now, as far as the State of the Union, that is a part of the job to mm -hmm. hear what he's going to be laying out in terms of his agenda, what he's going to be pushing. I'm very curious what he'll say about infrastructure, if he'll really follow through mm -hmm. and follow what's more thought of as a, as a Democratic plan. Um, so, so I do think it's part of my job to be at the State of the Union. Mm -hmm. But it's yet one more bizarre, unique question that has now arisen that under any other previous president wasn't even a thought. I, How about you? I, you know, I, I hate to see these events like the State of the Union, like inaugurations, turn into um, events where you make political statements. Like, mm -hmm. I think that they should be non-political events in nature. Mm -hmm. But I do think that... Donald Trump as president is making it really, really tough on people yeah. uh, because when someone does something like, you know, says that we're going to ban Muslims from certain countries from coming into the U.S., mm -hmm. how can you how in the world can you go on national television and clap right. for anything that he has to say after after doing something like that? I think so, I, I think it makes it I think it makes it very tough. So where does that leave you? Are you going to go? We'll, we'll we'll see when we get there. I mean, um my whole deal is that four years from now, eight years from now, I want us to have something, you know, to, to fight over. I want us to still mm -hmm. have a country uh, where we have disagreements, but a country where, where we're stable. I think that uh, if, if we're going to, you know, boycott official events uh, for the next, you know, for whoever the president is four years from now, whoever the president is eight years from now, yeah. I think that if we're going to uh, every time a president uh, of, of a that doesn't fit a certain profile or race if we're going to question uh, where, where his actual birthplace mm -hmm. is if we're going to do that every four Donald or eight Trump years. would never do something like that uh, <laughs> question the legitimacy of a president alleging some sort of crazy conspiracy about where no. he was born but then you're considering not going right so that puts you in that boat too it, it it's it's you know I, I I attended the inauguration and one of the reasons why I went was because um, I believe in the peaceful transfer of, mm -hmm. of power, like a lot of people did. You know, I, I just think it, it's interesting, right? But, you didn't go to the inauguration, but you're definitely going uh, to the State of the Union. You went to the inauguration, but you're not sure about going to the State of the Union. It shows you, by the right. way, the, the last few months, um, if people could hear the sort of soul-searching, gut-wrenching conversations yeah. that some of us have been having on the Democratic side of the aisle about whether to attend the inauguration, mm -hmm. about what to do, I actually think people would feel better about <laughs> their government and their elected representatives about mm -hmm. how seriously we take this. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a religious person. Mm -hmm. I, I prayed. I asked God to give me some guidance on what I should do about going to the inauguration. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'll do the same thing as it relates to the State of the Union. Let's just bring it back to the blue-collar question here to finish off. So what do you guys say to the blue-collar voter who voted for Donald Trump for president, who's now seen the first two weeks of the Donald Trump presidency, that you think would make them, uh, should make them regret 
uh, voting for him. Right? That they they thought he was the right guy for the job, but now they've seen uh, the way that it started. He's done things that he said he would do on the trail. Right? That's uh, right. he said he would do this ban, and here it is. He's doing other things that he said he would do. So far, we're seeing the Trump presidency play out. Yeah, except right? so far, we're not seeing one thing that actually helps blue collar workers. Right. Um, so that's what you would say to them. Yeah. I, so this is something Mark and I have talked about, that one of the things we're going to be do, doing regularly when we have special orders and control mm-hmm. uh, an hour at a time of, uh, of the floor on the House, House floor, um, actually showing up there, promises Trump has made, whether mm-hmm. it's on taxes, jobs, mm-hmm. trade, et cetera, and just telling the facts yep. and then having right next to it, okay, here we are, we're... One month in, two months mm-hmm. in, three months in. Here is the Trump record versus these tangible things mm-hmm. he has talked about. And we think really one of the best things that we can do is show what Trump promised versus what he's delivered mm-hmm. on and hold him to those facts. Because we know that, look, Donald Trump is a showman, a BS artist, someone who talks a big game mm-hmm. but doesn't deliver. Just ask any of the hundreds of business people have been put out of business because there were small contractors who worked mm-hmm. on his uh, casinos and hotels and got stiffed. So I think one of the best things we can do is simply show the facts and show where for blue collar workers mm-hmm. he's falling down. Is well, that the same thing? Let me tell you, because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and I, and I knew this was going to happen. I, I was watching one of the cable news shows maybe a, maybe a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you remember, there was a situation at the Chevy Cruise plant in Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, one of those kind of Rust Belt mm-hmm, type right. small towns. And there was this middle-aged white woman that they were interviewing, and she was very sincere. She said, I'm a Democrat, and I voted for Donald Trump because he promised that he wouldn't that he would help us to stop our jobs from going overseas yeah. or, or, go, or being shipped over to Mexico. Uh, but she, but she said, but I'm a Democrat, and and she was very sincere. She wasn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't racist. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, you know, she didn't seem bitter or angry or anything like that. But I have a message for, for her. And 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 other brothers and sisters out there that voted for Trump is that he ain't gonna do a damn thing for you. Mm-hmm. Look at the Supreme Court pick right now. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court, but you have a guy in, in Gorsuch that has ruled over and over on cases where, where, when it comes to compensation, uh, when it comes to uh, worker relations mm-hmm. and companies and what have you, he's always ruled against workers. So that means that's going to be less money in their pockets. Right. Um, I don't think that all of these things that he's talking about doing as it relates to, to, to trade and bringing these jobs back, he's not going to bring any of these jobs back. Uh, there, there's there, there, there's a, a, a funda- another fundamental question that we have to address dealing with education and the complexity of these mm-hmm. jobs uh, and technology of, of, of these jobs, like we talked about a little bit earlier. He's mm-hmm. not even talking about that yeah. at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 I, and like I said, I, these, these, these folks, um, uh, you know, whether they're black or, or white, you know, these are, these are our people. You know, I, I love them. These are Democrats. These mm-hmm. are blue-collar workers. Uh, but he ha- he's conned them. He's pulled the wool over their eyes, and he's not going to do anything for them. And I think that it's going to be uh, very transparent. I think that it's just it's going to be important for uh, uh, for members of Congress like Brendan and myself uh, that believe in blue collar America and that believe in these jobs and that and that 
I don't care uh, if it's great when people go to college, but I don't think that's the most important yeah. thing in the world. I think having a good job and having dignity yeah. and being able to take care of your family and put food on the table, I think that that's, what's the most, that's the most important thing in the world and that we are going to be fighting for these people. And I think that, that Brendan and I are the people that have the message, uh, that have the family background uh, that can talk to, to individuals like that. And we have other people in this caucus. I think we have like, what, 25, 26, 26 yeah. members in this caucus. They know how to talk to blue collar yeah. workers in their district too, and, and that we're gonna do it. And that we're gonna, we're gonna show them that we're on their side and that Donald Trump has pulled a total snow job on them. And we'll see how it goes. Congressman Mark Vesey, Congressman Brendan Boyle, thanks for taking the time. Thank All you. Right, thank you.